0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It is, of
1: course, one of the main things you do as a tourist when you come to New York City. You book tickets to Broadway to go see a show. Well, as of tonight, that will not be possible for about a month. You may remember, back on March 12th, all Broadway theaters were ordered to close. For a lot of people, it was the first time they really started paying attention to this pandemic. And as we now know, that shutdown would last much longer than one month. The day before that shutdown, Broadway performer Jessica Rush was on stage in Tina, the Tina Turner musical.
2: And I didn't know for sure that it would be the last time. But it definitely uh, felt like that in my soul. (laughs) And I remember coming out for the mega mix and the curtain call and we're doing, you know, we're singing Proud Mary and we're doing Rolling on the River and we're dancing and flinging our bodies around. And I look out at the audience and I can see, you know, 1700 people are on their feet. They're singing, you know, roll it, roll it. You know, we're all rolling on the river together. I just thought, I have to remember this moment. I have to remember what this feels like, what it looks like to look out into the audience and see the pure joy on all these faces and a sold out crowd, you know? Um, There's nothing like it. There is nothing like an appreciative, awesome audience.
1: After the theaters closed, Jessica and her six-year-old daughter left New York City, and they moved to Southern California to be with her husband, who was also an actor and was performing in a show over there. Jessica and her husband have been performing on and off-Broadway for most of their adult lives, so being off stage and out of work has been a challenge.
2: You know, there were a lot of actors and artists in our community who immediately started creating, you know, concerts and things in their house and putting stuff online. And the both of us just sort of withdrew because it it felt um, it, it felt like we were in mourning. And I do believe we were. I mean, our our industry evaporated overnight.
1: It's still unclear when theaters may be able to safely reopen and without the ability to work, Jessica and her family have started dipping into their savings to try and get by. They've done things like starting a bracelet-making business called Ivy and Clark.
2: Let's get out our howlite and our rose quartz and our amethyst. Wait, what's howlite? Howlite is this white one, remember? But
1: she does remain hopeful that Broadway will one day return.
2: That moment when we come back and get to walk through the stage door or the curtain goes up on that first performance back, I can't begin to imagine what it will sound like and feel like backstage. Broadway will be back. I mean, it's, there is no doubt about it in my mind. Theater is one of the oldest art forms. Theater has survived the plague, you know? I mean, that's when Shakespeare and people wrote. Was, there was a great renaissance after the plague, and um, art survives. Art must survive.
1: There are nearly 97,000 performers, stagehands, costume designers, and others that make up Broadway's $14.8 billion industry, That's what I said, $14.8 billion. That's according to the Broadway League. And when the lights went out, the ripple effect was felt way beyond the theater district. Broadway is the lifeblood for New York's hotels, restaurants, and tourism. And they've been devastated as well by all this. For New York to recover, it largely depends on if Broadway can make a comeback. But unlike schools or restaurants keeping real physical distance is not an option for Broadway audiences, actors, or crews. So it would be impossible, really, to recoup the millions it takes to produce a show with audiences at limited capacity. And keep in mind, Broadway is also so much bigger than just New York. Think about the biggest names in theater. Hamilton, Fiddler on the Roof, Oklahoma. Broadway is definitely a dream factory and a cultural touchstone for the arts, and its greatest creations are performed in the greatest cities and the smallest towns across the country. So when will the curtain rise in theaters again? And how will Broadway look different when it comes back from its longest shutdown in history? I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact Versus Fiction.
3: We understand when our audience isn't safe and therefore our employees are not safe. We cannot do the show. The show must go on unless you are putting people in peril.
1: That's Tony Award-winning Broadway producer Kevin McCollum. He's responsible for hits like Rent, Avenue Q, and In the Heights. Kevin's new musical, called Six, was supposed to have opened on March 12th the very day New York Governor Andrew Cuomo issued the order for theaters to close.
3: I got summoned at around noon that day to the League of American Theater and Producers, which is a trade organization that promotes Broadway. So uh, word had it that, okay, the governor had made the decision and it was 7 o'clock was when the theaters were closed. And I raised my hand and I said, "Um, ladies and gentlemen, I have a show opening at 6.30 and the press is showing up, the paparazzi is showing up at 5.00.
1: When that happened, did you think it was an appropriate move? Did you think it was an overreaction? I'm just trying to like get your unfiltered sort of thoughts at the time. I mean, you you can only go by the context that you have, I understand. But there are a lot of people who said, Are you kidding? This this seems excessive.
3: It was excessive and necessary. You two things can be true. I'm grateful that you and and your colleagues who are talking about with the unknowns of this virus very early on, we out front. The theater understands uh, virus because we lived through the AIDS epidemic and we lost many, many people. So we were receptive to safety first and we knew we had to do it.
1: When you hear, for example, that the United Kingdom has approved this, this Pfizer vaccine what what does it mean for you tangibly? I mean, it, are there things that, that change as a result of that for, for you and for, you know, your, your production and career and everything?
3: Absolutely. Um, doing business in the West End in London and opening shows in London or taking my shows to London, which I've done many, many times. We are very different when it comes to live entertainment. The British look at theater as the definition of their culture, which is why so many cities... And government provinces and and all the government organizations have a line-item budget for the arts, the live arts, the storytelling. And in America, since we're a young country, and because our theater is actually an immigrant art form in many ways, we look at it as entertainment. And so I am heartened always to talk to my British colleagues. And we can learn a lot about theater being the centerpiece of our culture. And, And I will say this. There's gonna be so much great art coming out of this very surreal time, just like after World War II, there was so many plays and so much art. It's going to be a catalyst for great change. And one of the things that also this pandemic has 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 brought light to is that Broadway is truly the longest street in America and perhaps the world. We are exporting more Western uh, plays and musicals than ever before. And that is also changing cultures around the country. And the pandemic was a was a terrible, terrible uh, stop of business. But I could also argue it's an opportunity of recalibration and reflection.
1: I think I know the answer to this next question. I think that I know the answer you're going to give and it has to do with this idea of what we've seen with live streaming performances while the theaters are closed. I mean, what 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 do you think of that? Uh, necessary during this time? Possibly something that we'll see after as, as well as part of the future, or or no?
3: Absolutely, and and I think we'll see more of that. And I think it's a wonderful way to communicate on how wonderful shows are. Um, but our job is to get people in theaters to understand what that kind of community, that congregating, how that feels so different than going to a movie or sitting at home with your family or watching alone on a computer, you know, and and, and humans are amazing. We we are inventive and we have pushed the, uh, the the streaming world, I think, 10 years forward in the live arts. And I think that's a good thing.
1: Yeah it, it 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 is amazing um how, how many different types of uh, interactions like telehealth or or other types of interactions have really been accelerated by this pandemic it is worth remembering that after the 1918/1919 flu pandemic 102 years ago that it was followed by the roaring 20s right after that do you think that ultimately this time period, this pandemic, COVID pandemic time period, will cause any kind of permanent changes to the, to the industry?
3: I think uh, in my lifetime, there will be changes. If a grandmother can't travel to see her son in the high school play, we can now stream it to her. And things like that, that connect, you know, those types of things. And those things are going to happen going forward. And I, I hope one of the changes we have to do is I think those of us who are producing shows have to have a, a better relationship with the person who buys a ticket. When you're on Broadway, because the ticketing comes with the theater, we have no direct relationship with, even though we take all the risk, with the customer. So something I, I think we should explore just as a best practices for the industry is to have a more direct relationship with the producing entity and the, um, and the customer. I think we're all in it together is what we've discovered. And yes, I think we're gonna to need to gather But I think we're also going to be much more conscious of supporting theater in a way that we want to make sure that it's it's more efficient so that it's healthy. We will have much better protocols. I think people will wear masks. And we're actually in the business of sharing droplets because we're trying to evoke laughter. We're trying to evoke tears. And then at the end, we feel connected because we had a communal experience. And this is what people are going to be thirsty for, but they must be safe. And and going back, we were the first out and we're the last back in as a business. But when we're in it, you know there's a brighter tomorrow when it comes to this virus. When we start performing, it's truly the beginning of the end in a real way.
1: You know, one of the things I miss most about my pre-pandemic life is simply being able to go to a theater and laugh and cheer loudly in a packed room. It does seem like now we might be closer to going back to that reality than before. We do have vaccines on the way. Even Dr. Anthony Fauci sounded hopeful this week when he suggested that widespread vaccinations would be the key to getting the lights back on Broadway, which he said could happen by the fall of 2021. But we gotta set expectations. And like I keep saying, we have to remember that a vaccine is not a magic wand that will immediately allow life to go back to normal. It may take some time for live theater to come back, but I think it's safe to say it will. And we'll be gathering together again to see the performances we love come to life on a stage. We'll be back next week. See you Monday. Thanks for listening. Coronavirus Fact vs. Fiction is a production of CNN Audio. Megan Marcus is the executive producer. Felicia Patinkin is the senior producer. Raj Makija is the senior manager of production operations. This week's episodes were produced by Ann Lagamayo, Rachel Cohn, Emily Liu, Aaron Mathewson, Madeline Thompson, Zach St. Louis, and Zoe Saunders. Our medical writer is Andrea Kane. Nathan Miller is our engineer, and David Toledo is the team's production assistant. Special thanks to Ben Tinker and Amanda Seeley of CNN Health, as well as Ashley Lusk, Courtney Coop, and Daniel Cantor from CNN Audio.